This podcast is brought to you by Indian Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu forward slash India. What impact has the global financial crisis had on India's real estate market? According to Anirutha Joshi, executive director of Herco Group in Britain, which develops residential properties and mixed-use townships in India, the credit crisis has affected portfolio allocations. Still, Herco's strategy toward property development in India will not change, Joshi told India Knowledge at Wharton in an interview during the recent Knowledge at Wharton Real Estate in Emerging Markets Forum. According to Joshi, the long-term India story and the fundamentals are still intact. Uh, our next guest is Aniruddha Joshi, uh, Executive Director of Herco Group in the UK. Aniruddha, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Mukul. It's my pleasure. Uh, the question that's on everyone's mind these days is what's happening with the world financial crisis and what has its impact been? Now, since Herco is active worldwide, but you also have significant operations in India, I wonder if you could speak a little bit about the impact on Indian real estate of the world financial situation. Right. Okay. Um, the crisis that uh, you know that we've been experiencing over the last six months can clearly be described as a credit market crisis. Uh, but credit drives a lot of activities, including real estate. And so it's not really a real estate market crisis in the sense of oversupply or you know, uh, a bubble. It's just um, a credit market crisis having an impact on real estate. Um, the crisis is essentially Western in origin in, in the United States, uh, UK, parts of Europe, etc. Uh, but there are certain conduits through which it gets transmitted uh, to the rest of the world. And if we look at uh, what are those conduits that transmit this crisis to India and, and what do they mean? Uh, clearly, one major one is, um, I would say, portfolio allocation. You know, as um, companies rebalance their portfolios, if the Western markets are dropping, they have to sell their uh, holdings in uh, other countries in order to rebalance the portfolios. And so there's been uh, a lot of um, selling pressure as far as the Indian equity markets are concerned. And what that does is that it has the opposite of what's been called the wealth effect, which is people feel poorer, even though they may not be poorer, they feel poorer. And therefore, they are less willing to commit um, to long-term purchases, big-ticket items. So that's one, one conduit. The other conduit where I think India has been relatively... Um, less impacted is through the foreign ownership of banking assets. So, for example, if uh, Lehman Brothers in the U.S. is in trouble, then clearly in order to generate cash, it's going to have to sell its assets wherever they may be in the world. And if it has a lot of assets in India, then it would sell those, which would drive the, pressure da- drive the prices down. Fortunately, foreign banks don't own uh, a very l- significant proportion of banking assets in India. A uh, majority of the banking assets in India are in the hands of Indian banks. And so really what becomes critical is uh, looking at how the Indian banking system is operating. A uh, lot of people find it surprising when I tell them that even now, even today as we speak, banks in India are quite happily lending money uh, against uh, property. So mortgage, the mortgage market is working uh, quite well. Um, the 
um, the ownership of Indian banks is also critical in this respect because uh, a number of the major banks are owned by the government and therefore act as channels for implementation of government policy. So the Reserve Bank, for example, was uh, able to persuade the banks uh, to drop their interest rates uh, by something as large as 1.5%. And so what you have is uh, a domestic credit market, which uh, temporarily did have some issues, but which now appears to be functioning quite smoothly again, and is in fact uh, lending money to domestic, uh, domestic borrowers. So, uh, so you don't see the kind of credit squeeze that you see elsewhere in the world, especially in the U.S.? You do. You do see it in a, in a different way. And you see it at the, um, with, the, with, with the corporate um, borrower. Uh, because Indian companies have been borrowing money abroad over the last few years since the market opened up. Um, what you do have is uh, Indian companies' ability, like anybody else, to borrow in, in Western markets is, has declined dramatically. So many of them are now turning to uh, domestic markets to raise money. But generally speaking, the Indian banking system has been managed in a very conservative basis. So if you look at, for example, the asset liability ratios for the banking system as a whole, uh, assets are still less than 80% of, uh, of liabilities, which means really the banking system is able to finance all its assets through its customer deposits. Uh, if you compare that with, say, the UK, uh, the figure is 200%. So that means uh, half of the assets that UK banks have they finance those, they fund those by borrowing in the interbank market. And therefore, they are much more affected by what happens in the credit market as a whole uh, than India is. Now, in addition to these financial factors, uh, in the last a couple of weeks, we have also seen uh, a political dimension with uh, terrorist attacks in, in Mumbai. And uh, the political aftermath of, of those attacks with the resignation of the Home Minister and perhaps also the Chief Minister of Maharashtra. Uh, what effect are these factors likely to have on investment, including real estate? Um, I don't think that there will be any significant impact on investment that originates from Indian investors. Clearly, foreign investors will uh, think about whether they want to invest in India or not. Uh, but in any case, even prior to this, these incidents, uh, foreign investment was drying up pretty fast because of the credit problems in global financial markets. So I don't think that um, you know what happened last week is going to exacerbate what was already uh, a, a pretty uh, bad situation as far as global investment is concerned. Um, I think it's interesting to observe, you know, a couple of comments I'd make that um, we have had terrorist attacks in Mumbai previously, for example, in as long ago as 93, then in 2006. What's different about the attacks this time is that the earlier attacks were typically on trains, buses, uh, used by the common man. Uh, and perhaps if I was a cynic, I would say that the reaction was very muted. Uh, whereas now you have had attacks on the Taj and the Oberoi, which are the watering holes of the elite, including the media. And, you know, although in terms of, uh, it might sound a little callous, but in terms of body count, you know, maybe this, this attack has not been as bad as the ones earlier. Yet the, the response uh, from, from uh, the population really driven by the media has been um, 
quite angry and quite quite strong. Um, hopefully, you know the 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 response leads to something creative in terms of uh, an improvement in the situation um, in the in the policing and in the uh, in the way that these things are handled. But the reality is that. Um, Indian cities are under under strain. Uh, I think uh, a city like Bombay with 19 million people has only, I believe, seven something like 7,000 policemen protecting it. So um, you have a very large population, uh, but which is increasingly, you know, putting strain on not just water and electricity and um, you know sewerage, etc., the roads, but also on the public services like police, ambulances, etc. Um, and I think you know that speaks to a lot of issues around planning. Um, give you an example. I recently wanted to uh, split. I have a one-acre property where I live near near Philadelphia, and I was thinking of dividing it into two and building two small houses, one each, you know, for my son and for my daughter. So I talked to the local township uh, office, and they said, no, you know, the lot size and the zoning in the area that you're in is one acre um, per house. And what, what they do is, through those regulations, they determine what's going to be the demand for public services. Uh, the, the Indian cities, you know, you don't have that kind of uh, capacity uh, planning because immigration is into the cities is, is rampant and you can have, you know, 10 people to a room, you can have illegal construction, etc. I think one of the areas that's going to be have to be addressed is is you know how do we how do we actually balance that how do we balance the um, the obligation that the government has to provide services with uh, the strain that we as citizens through our own decisions uh, put on those on those very services I think that if the public anger that we are seeing after these uh, these terrorist attacks. If it leads to some soul-searching, some improvement in areas of this kind, uh, then I think it's going to be uh, very good for the country in the long run. One last question. Uh, based on what you s described uh, as the new financial and political environment, uh, how do you see Hirko's strategy going forward? Where do you look for new opportunities? I think uh, the Hirko strategy going forward is not going to change because we believe that the long-term India story, the fundamentals are still very much intact. Uh, the long-term drivers of growth in India uh, have not changed. They're no different today than they were two months ago or three months ago. And they're not going to go away easily. Uh, they are well-known. They are the rise of the middle class, uh, the rise of a knowledge-based economy, uh, greater deregulation, uh, a greater demand for uh, Western lifestyle and, and, and affluence. And so we will continue to focus on, on our basic strategy, which is building complete townships, mixed-use townships, near the large metros in India. Currently, we have two projects, one near Chennai, one near Mumbai. Uh, the other projects that we are currently evaluating include Ahmedabad, uh, Pune, and, uh, and Nasik. Um, if you look at demand for uh, real estate in India, especially on the residential side, typically you have um, three categories of buyers. You have what we call primary demand, people that are looking for a home. Uh, you have investors, people that want to include real estate in their portfolio as a long-term investment. 
for rental income or for capital appreciation. And then you have speculators. And really these short-term ups and downs uh, impact the third category, that is speculators. But the long-term investor demand as well as the primary demand, uh, both are impact, both are intact. The other thing that we notice is, is that there is a, what I would call a flight to quality. Because when you buy a home in India, typically you buy off of plan, which means you're trusting your money to somebody in the hope that that person or that company is going to build and deliver on time and to the quality that you expect. Uh, in the last few years, the industry has seen the entry of a lot of new players who have neither the track record uh, nor the experience for delivering on projects. So tough times like this, we expect that there will be a number of projects unfinished or abandoned, which means the customer is increasingly going to be choosy about the kind of developer with whom he or she is willing to invest, invest or entrust their money. And I think that uh, companies like Hirco, which have a 30-year track record and which have developed you know, and delivered uh, the largest amount of uh, square footage as far as residential space is concerned in India, um, and the brand values associated with Hirco, uh, are actually going to be very strong selling points. And you're going to see more and more customers effectively um, you know, flying to the, the quality supplier. For more business news and analysis from India Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu forward slash India.